So today we are, uh, we're talking about marriage, and I'm, I'm really excited about this, y'all. This has been a burden on my heart for a while now, and we finally have gotten to this place, and I'm really excited. I've had conversation after conversation uh, with people that I know uh, this is going to be good timing for, and, and honestly, if you have the healthiest marriage in the world, praise God for that, and this is still for you. All right. If you are not married, if you are single, if, you are, if you've never been married or you're divorced or anything like that, this is for you as well. This is for all of us in here. Do not discount this in any way, shape, or form. Okay? I believe God is going to do amazing things in this next few weeks. And what we need to understand is that marriage, like everything else in the Bible, points back to Jesus. It all points to him. And so there's going to be a lot of good stuff that we're going to be talking about. And I want to say, for the entire series... A disclaimer, all right? And that is this. Your spouse or your future spouse is not Jesus in your life, all right? You've heard me say that before, and I want to say it again. Your spouse is not Jesus. If you are praying to God every day for a spouse, that's great, but that person will not be Jesus, okay? And they can't be. And we get so messed up in our marriages or in our idea of a marriage when we make our spouse become Jesus. Because we are putting expectations on that person that are impossible for them to fulfill. Your spouse or future spouse did not die on the cross for you and is not sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. There is a place in your heart that only Jesus, that only Jesus can fill. As great as your spouse might be, they are not Jesus, okay? So we need to know that going in. Our spouses and our future spouse point us to Jesus, right? We, we walk together to Jesus. We make Jesus our firm foundation like we talked about earlier. He is the, the, the cornerstone of our marriages, not our spouses, okay? Clear on that? All right, let's get going. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Okay, so right here we have in Genesis, when everything is being created, we see marriage being created. We have to understand from the very beginning that marriage was God's idea. God created it. He is the author of marriage. Just like he created the stars in the sky, right? The birds in the air, the mountains, the depths of the oceans, everything, you and me, all of the things that God created that we can touch and that we can see, he created marriage. And so we look to his word on what marriage is supposed to be. And I will say this as well. That at Beaches Chapel, because the Word of God says so, not because we believe so, but because the Word of God says so, we believe marriage is between a man and a woman. And now, I, I want to I say this in the same breath, that it is not our job to condemn or judge those who say otherwise. Because what, they're, what other people believe and what they are searching for is truth and love. They're just looking for it in the wrong place. And there are many heterosexual couples that are looking for truth and love in the wrong place as well, all right? So it is not our job 
to condemn and judge. It is our job to love, pray, and point them to Jesus as well. And it breaks my heart when the church assumes a responsibility that is not their own. We are not judge and jury over anyone. It is God's job. Our job is to love them and point them to Jesus. Because they're searching, just like we were before we found Jesus. And praise God that we did. But let's not be exclusive and think that it's not for them and what Jesus can do in their life. Amen? All right. So, we look to the Word because God created marriage. And as we look in, in when he, his creation story, God says over and over after he created everything every day, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. And so we need to remember, and by the way, y'all, if, if you have a phone or a, t- or a tablet or something or pen and paper, let's take notes today, all right? I believe there's some good stuff that we need to write down. And the first one that I want you to write down is this. Since God created marriage, marriage is good, okay? Some of y'all might need to be reminded of that this morning. Oh, right, marriage is good. Why is it good? Because God created it, and God doesn't create bad things. Now, marriage can be hard, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Because the things that are most valuable in our lives, the things that are most important in our lives, are the hard things, right? I love my girls, I love my girls, but parenting is hard. Jesse was gone for like 18 hours yesterday, I almost cried. Get home! She walked in. How was it? It was great. It's great. Everything is fine. <laughs> Parenting is hard, but man, it's good. It's awesome. It's awesome. The things that you're passionate about, like, you know, the dreams that you have that you aspire, those things are great, but it's hard to get there. It's really hard. And marriage is great, but it's hard. And I want to let all of us in here know every marriage is hard. Okay, don't live that lie that everyone else's is great or that person is perfect. They're all hard. You know why? Because it's two people that are imperfect living together. That's a recipe for hard, okay? It is. But it can still be really good when Jesus is the center of it. So if God created marriage, then marriage is something worth honoring. It's something worth honoring. And our marriages quickly get off track and we forget that the Lord created it and we make it all about ourselves. And what I, what I want all of us in here to do during this series is resist the temptation when I start talking to the men in the room for the wives that go, mm-hmm, that's right, <clears throat> preach it, Pastor James, a high five after service for you, right? He does that. Or men, when I'm talking to the ladies, thank you, James, right? They do that, Right? We need to resist the temptation to finger point in these next few weeks and instead look in the mirror and ask ourselves, am I, am I guilty of that? Am I, am I doing a good job of what he's saying right there? We need to be very, very, very self-aware in these next few weeks and not finger point. We need to, we need to understand that it's not about us. God created this and marriage is supposed to point back to him not be something that is self-serving in our own life. So we need to resist that temptation as much as we can. So I have have some questions I'm going to ask you all today. I have three questions. And the first one is this. Write these down. Since God created marriage, how are you honoring what he has given you? God created marriage. How are you honoring this gift? 
If marriage was something that we could touch, if it was a thing that you could put in your house, would it be that shiny, polished thing that's on the mantle in your living room? Or would it be up in the attic in a box collecting dust? How are you honoring it with, with, with your actions and your words and your money? How are you honoring this great gift? That's the first question I want to ask. All right, now we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. And it says this. This is Paul writing the church in Ephesus. He says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Okay. I did not write this. All right. Just want to make that clear. All right. Paul wrote this under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what this is, is the creator of marriage telling us how marriage works. All right, let's remember that as well. It's funny how we read these verses and then we can get uneasy in our chair because we don't really understand what's being said here. And we're going to talk about it this morning. And we're not going to apologize about it because it's God's word and his word is perfect. And he's the creator of marriage. And I believe that after we dissect these few verses here, we're going to leave with a greater understanding of what marriage is supposed to be. And both sides are going to be equally challenged in what we're talking about today. Can we just pray? Father, thank you so much for this time. God, that we would have ears to hear what you have to say to us today. God, we thank you for this gift of marriage that you've, you've given us. God, for those that, that now are in a marriage and those that are seeking it. God, that you would speak to all of us and you would open our eyes to better us, to better this amazing relationship that we have with our spouses and future spouses. Yes, Lord, give us ears to hear. That's our prayer right now. To not be condemned or anything like that. But that we would walk in this time with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, we're going to go with the ladies first here. Um, and I will, there is a caveat coming to what we're about to talk about, but we'll get to that caveat in just a few minutes. Let's reread uh, a few of these verses from Ephesians chapter 5. Same thing we just read. And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to read that again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. One more time. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. I want to ask you a question this morning, everyone, really. When you walked in here this morning, were you going, oh, I got to submit to Jesus now. Like, Great, this is going to be a real fun hour and a half, right? Time to submit to Jesus, right? No, like we, when we gather as, as a church, like we're coming in seeking Jesus, right? Wanting to worship Jesus, want, wanting to hear from Jesus. We don't begrudgingly go to Jesus. 
Why? Because he's our covering. He's our protector. He's our provider. He died for us. He's proven his love for us. And so submission to Jesus is something that we love. Yet when we read these verses, we go, submission to my husband? Uh Uh-uh, I don't think so, no. You know, right? Like it's this terrible, awful thing. Like it's this demeaning thing. It's not. It's not. When we talk about wives, when we were talking about submission to our husbands, we're talking about to be an encourager. Genesis 2, when it talks about what we already read, it says Eve was created to be a helpmate, right? A support, right? It does not mean, husbands, that our wives are not supposed to share their opinions on things, their thoughts on things. Submission is not go sit in that corner and be quiet and I'll tell you what and when you can do things. That is not submission. That's dictatorship. Being sub- Listen, guys, we want our wives' opinions. We want them. You know why? Because 99% of the time, they're right. All right? They are. And I know that because that's why we as men feel the need to brag every time we're right. Right? I did it. I did it. I was right. About what? I don't care. It doesn't matter. All right? I don't care. We become the grand marshal of our own parade around the house. I was right. I was right. I was right. We brag about it because it never happens. So when it does, man, we're going to tell people about it. Listen, I, I'm being completely honest and sincere right now when I tell you all that. I know I stand up here and I give the, the messages on Sundays and my title is lead pastor, but Jesse is the wisdom behind all of this. I go home and we talk and she has insight like you would not believe. So if you feel like the need to come up and thank me anytime, just don't, just don't bother and go thank her. Because I'm serious, we have conversations. She'll, have you ever thought which is translation for think this, right? (laughs) Do this. And I'm like, you're right, again, you know? We need our wives' opinions. We need our wives' thoughts because they're smart and they have wisdom. And all we want to do as guys is just sit in our chairs and watch whatever's on TV, right? So submission is not about being quiet and just letting the man make all the decisions. No, 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 no. It is not that. It is being heard in a healthy way, right? And then if there comes a point where there's a disagreement, where you just get to where both sides have have heard one another, you've prayed about it, and you still can't come to that agreement, say, all right, husband, we're going to follow you. And if it's a monumental, huge thing, what I would also encourage you to do before you make that decision is seek wise counsel, right? Come up to the altar when when we have times of prayer, like we'll have in a little while, Get prayed for. Seek the Lord together. But if it's, if, it's, if it's other things, wives, submit to your husbands. But you don't understand. I know I'm right. I can't submit to him because I'm right. Listen, if that's the case, I'm telling you right now, if you do it anyway, God will honor it because it's more important to the Lord that we're obedient to him than we are right in an argument with our spouse. That is, what he is, that is what he is concerned with. That's why Paul starts with saying, submit to each other, not out of reverence for who's right in that moment, but in reverence to Jesus Christ. So we say in that, you know what? It's more important for me to honor the Lord and, than, than be right right now. That's what's most important. 
So that's how I'm going to submit right now. And I want to say too, wives, when that time comes where you do that, and it turns out you were right and he was wrong, resist the temptation to say, I told you so. <laughs> or if it's not, I told you so, it's, well, if we had just done, da -da 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 -da, <laughs> we wouldn't be in this humdinger of a pickle. Which I know for men and women is like the greatest satisfaction we can have is that I told you so moment. But resist it. Resist it. Because one, if, if, if your husband was wrong, he's going to know it. He's going to know it. And he doesn't need anyone else reminding him of that. And if your response instead is, it's okay. I, I, I just appreciate that the time and thought that you put into this. And I know you want what is best for our family. And I'm so grateful that you make these hard decisions. If that is your response, the next time there's a disagreement, chances are he's going to listen to you. If you say, I told you so, chances are he's going to disagree just out of spite. Like, I know you're right. I'm just not doing it. <clears throat> I don't care. Right? But in those moments, if you continue to be a support and an encourager and a helpmate, when things are hard, when he's feeling down on himself, feeling like a failure, that's huge. That's huge for your marriage. Men need that. So question number two. Ladies, how do you speak to your husband? Do you encourage him? Do you validate him? And also, I think equally as important, how do you speak about him when he's not there? When you're with your friends out to lunch and the conversation starts going that way, how are you speaking about him when he's not in the room? Because if you have a hard time encouraging him at home, it's probably because it's the last thing you're doing when he's not around. But if you are speaking well of him to your friends, you'll be able to speak well of him to him as well. So how are you speaking to him and how are you speaking about him? It's crucial. All right, men, your turn. All right, going back to verse 25. For husbands, this... Uh-huh. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. All right. Here's the caveat, ladies, I was talking about earlier. We submit to our husbands when they're laying down their lives for you. We do not submit to abuse, physical or verbal, Right? We do not submit when they're just out in the world doing whatever and then going to come home and try and make these decisions. You submit to your husbands when they're laying down their lives for you, seeking the Lord. Listen, I've heard guys say before, you know what, I've been a little too passive as a husband. I think I'm going to start being the leader and I'm going to start making decisions. I'm like, all right, do you want to schedule the counseling appointment now or like you want to wait a week because it ain't going to work, Right? You can't just flip a switch and all of a sudden be the man of the house, right? Like, I'm making decisions, baby. I'm Ephesians 5 all the way, all right? It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. We think leading is decision-making. Y'all know. 
The best leaders are not the ones who get served. The best leaders are the ones that serve the best. Okay? And so, you know, we, we read this verse, and if you're familiar with it at all, it always, always, always points to the, to the women. Really, it's about the men. It's about the, it, it depends on this. And I'm going to say this, and I'm sorry if this offends some people, but this is the truth. Our wives are dying to be led by their husbands. That's how we are created, differently. Women want to be led by the husbands in the house, but it's because the husband is laying down his life for the wife, serving, praying, following Jesus. If that's not your life, guys, it's, it ain't going to happen. I'm sorry, it's not. We got to lay down our lives for our wives. Be the biggest servant in the house. You know, it says it's because Christ loved the church. You know how Jesus loved the church? Yes, on the cross, of course, on the cross. But the, the picture that I always go to is that Jesus, right before he was arrested, he washed the feet of his betrayer. All right? He didn't wait and watch. He said, no, you don't deserve it. You don't like me. We've had a rough time. I'm going to skip you, and I'm going to serve someone else. Knowing what he was getting in return... He washed Judas' feet. We're like, I'll, I'll wait and serve if I get something in return. That's not how Christ loved the church. He knew what he was getting in return. He was getting death. He was getting death on a cross. And he laid down his life. Now, I know, just head off this argument right off the bat. Well, I lay down my life. I work really hard for my family. You might. Congratulations. That's your job. But when you get home, you serve. It's two very different things. And if we're being honest with ourselves, guys, we might bang the drum of, oh, I work really hard for my family, when the truth is, thank God for my job so I have somewhere to go. Because the house is tough, right? The kids are loud, and I just need to go. When we say, whew, well, I got to go to work, you get in the car, it's like, woo! Thank you, Jesus, all right? I'm taking the long way both ways. That was brutal, right? So let's not act like we're just out there slaving away, dying to get home. Oh, I hit another red light. Darn, right? When we get home, that's when the work starts. That's when we become the biggest servant in the house. That's what laying our life down looks like. Hmm. Men, here's a question for you. How are you giving up your life for your wife? How are you giving up your life for your wife? But you don't understand, Pastor James. She does this, she does that, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, cool. Here, here's what we need to understand. Going back to that verse, as, as Christ loved the church, he laid down his life. Jesus didn't just get on the cross and, and die for us. It says that he took our sins upon him. And so we as husbands, how we lay down our life is when those, those days are hard and you feel like she's doing this, that, and the other, you know what you do? You say, those are mine now. Those are mine now. I'm gonna take those, those, those things as well because I love you and I'm gonna wash your feet anyway without expecting anything in return. I'm telling you, Husbands, you start laying your life down for your wife like that, she will follow you. 
and she won't have to be told to do so. Just like as we start following Jesus and understanding his love for us, we don't have to be told to follow him. We're chasing after him. So it's very much a two-way street here. Men, again, how are you laying down your life for your wife? I want to read verse 26 again. The, the purpose of loving our wives, the purpose of laying down our lives for them. Check this out. Let's just read this again. It says in verse 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Come on. Y'all ever stop to consider that? Husbands, your role is to wash and clean your wife, to make her holy under the word of God. What an awesome and humbling responsibility we have, not to be taken lightly. What a role we have. What a role we have. I want our husbands to remember something, and I'm sure a lot of this has to do with the fact that I'm a parent of three girls, but guys, we need to remember that our wives are God's daughters first. They are God's daughters first. And if you have a daughter, guys, you know what that means. How are we treating God's daughters? What are we saying to them? Are we, are we pleasing our heavenly father-in-law with how we treat our wives? It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Maybe we need to take a step back and look at that and be honest with ourselves with that question. I want to read uh, Matthew chapter 1. It talks about Joseph um, and how he came to be Mary's husband. Starting in verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, it says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Skip to verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. All right. What a great example of a godly husband right here. It first says that Joseph was righteous. He went after the things of the Lord. All right. That's point number one. You want to be a godly husband? You go after the things of the Lord. You pursue righteousness. In every way, shape, and form, we pursue righteousness. So we read our Bibles. We pray. We do not let our eyes linger on anyone that is not our wife. We pursue righteousness and how we talk to them and how we, and how we work and all of those things. That is our pursuit, to be righteous. He didn't make rash decisions. It says that he had in mind to divorce her, but in verse 20 it says, as he considered this, in other words, it's like, I'm going to divorce her, we're done. Let's go right now. It says he had in mind to do so, but he considered this. He prayed about it. He brought things, decisions before the Lord. 
And then it is an interesting that as he does this, an angel comes and changes his mind. He allowed the Lord time to change his mind because he pursued righteousness. He sought the Lord. He was obedient to the Lord when it made absolutely no sense. You're telling me she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit? Listen, y'all, we, we, know, we know how the story goes. Joseph was hearing this for the very first time. There was no Christmas yet. This sounded crazy. But he said, okay, Lord, I trust in you to be the foundation of this marriage, so I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm not going to take control of this, even though it doesn't make sense in this moment. And he gave up his life for Mary. I think it's so incredible. At the end of this, these verses, in verse 25, it says, uh, he's not sexual with her until her son was born. It's like Matthew makes a clear distinction to let us know that it was seen as her son, but not Joseph's. He, he named Jesus, but it says here it was, it was her son, and yet he partners with her. And he gave up his life, his reputation. He was always going to be known as the guy who married the girl anyways, even though she had an affair and got pregnant by someone else. The father of someone who wasn't his son. That is laying down your life for someone, giving all reputation up. It's no wonder God picked Mary and Joseph. It's no wonder. Men, this is what being a husband looks like. Pursuing righteousness. Praying over things. But being obedient when the Lord tells us to do things that might not look like they make much sense. And then laying down our lives and our reputation for our wives. We're going to have the band come back up and we're going to close this morning with some worship and a time of prayer. But I, I think the overall message for today is marriage is not it's not about fighting for equality. Because when all we're trying to do is be equal with the person that we're married to, we are diminishing the very person that we are that God has made us to be. And we are different. And there are different roles. And look, and if I'm, if I'm being honest with y'all, I don't think I've ever seen a marriage that was based on equality as a happy marriage. I just haven't. It's always, it's always just trying to gain ground on the other person. It becomes this weird competition. God's saying it's not that. I've made you uniquely for one another to fit these roles. And if you both do them, it will be natural. And the last thing that you are going to care about is equality. I have some homework I'm going to be giving y'all throughout this series, and today's homework is a two-parter. The first one is tonight, pray together. If you are already in a routine where you pray with your spouse every day, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. If you do it in the morning, just, just keep, y'all keep on. Just keep doing your thing. But I would say include in your prayer time couples that, that pray every day together, include in your prayer time, those of us in here, pray for the marriages of Jesus Chapel. Let's put it like that. 
Start praying for the marriages of Beaches Chapel. If you're not in a routine of praying with your spouse, start tonight. Doesn't matter how tired you are going to feel, how hard your kids were today. If you wait for the perfect moment, it's never gonna happen. That's probably what's been happening. You keep waiting for this moment, right? Or this, you know, and we have this picture of what marriage looks like. I mean, what prayer looks like within a marriage. And it's, we're on our knees and the, the room is shaking and all this stuff. Like, look, y'all, come on, let's be real. Like, days are busy, we get tired. But start tonight. Don't even wait till tomorrow morning. Start tonight. And men, as the spiritual leaders, the heads of your family, you start it. You be the ones that say, hey, let's pray. And wives, as they say that, say, okay. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know, it might feel awkward. This is weird. I don't really know what to say. If, if you're new to it or it's been a while. Listen, sometimes you just got to jump in the deep end and swim. Right? Just go for it. Pray out loud. Pray together. And commit to doing that five or ten minutes, either at night or in the morning this entire week. Five or ten minutes, y'all. You can do it. I believe in you. And if, and if you've been waiting and, and trying, it's like it's been that thing that's been nagging at your heart. Here's, here's your moment. Here's your time. Well, Pastor James said we have to do it, so now we, we got we to gotta, we gotta do it. So that's the first thing I want you to do. Pray for your marriage. Pray for each other. Men, you start it. Wives, allow him to start it. Every part of you just wants to get on social media and zone out or watch that show you've been into. Take five or ten minutes before. The second thing I want you to do is to talk about this sermon. Not for me, but talk about the questions that were asked. Talk about how you're feeling. Do it in a way that is not condemning or in a ridiculing way. And that's not how Jesus treats us. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't ridicule us when we mess up, when we miss the mark. You know what he says? He says, it's okay. I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna walk with you in this. And that's our example. So as you talk about this sometime this week with your spouse, don't condemn and don't ridicule. Say, it's okay. You might, you might just need to ask the other person to forgive you for some things. You know what? Praise the Lord for those opportunities. But I'm believing that by this time next week, in a seven-day span, if your marriage is in a hard place, it is going to be different than it is right now. And you know why? Because you spent some time, Ben said earlier, seeking the Lord. He, if He is the center of our marriage, He's the center of our marriages then we have to pray. We have to do it. And it's amazing. It's amazing how many couples don't pray because it's amazing how hard it is sometimes to do it. You just got to get over that hump. I'm telling y'all, speaking from experience, just, you got it. You just got to do it. You got to get over that hump. You got to do it again and again. And suddenly it just becomes routine and it's not awkward anymore. It's not challenging anymore. It is part of your, it is not just a part of your marriage. It is the foundation of your marriage but you've got to do it. 
Don't wait for the waters to part. It doesn't happen. And I'm telling you, it's, it's no coincidence that the enemy tries to stop us from praying over our marriages. Not an accident. So go after it tonight. And if your marriage is in a hard place and it's like, oh, that's the last thing, I just don't do it anyway. All the more. Listen, God created marriages. He doesn't create bad things. It can be hard at times. There's all sorts of different elements that come into marriages that, that can just make it really tough. But that's why he gave you each other, to walk with it together. And you can get in that good place that you desire to be in, but it starts in prayer. It starts with honest, vulnerable, healthy conversation. And it takes both people doing their part, parts that the Lord laid out for us so graciously chapter 5. What I want to do now is go back into worship. We're going to have our elders' wives come up. Uh, Hannah and Russian y'all come up as well. We want to pray for you. Okay, here's where it gets tough, okay? Because you're going to be saying, I don't want to go up there because people are going to know something's up. One, this is Beaches Chapel, okay? Nobody cares, truthfully. Raise your hand if you care. See? Now, Bubba, oh, he was raising hand. He wasn't listening. He thought he was like, I want Jesus. No, that's not what I'm asking. No. Come on, Bubba. Can you hear me? <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so we want to we wanna pray for you. But if maybe if there's if there's a decision that that, that y'all are having a hard time you know, getting on the same page about. Maybe that's it. Maybe your finances are really hard right now. Your, your kids are just coming in between your marriage and it's just, it's just tough. So it's not necessarily that your marriage is on the brink or anything like that. It's just there's something within your marriage that, that you just need that prayer over. We want to pray for you. Or maybe, maybe you're single and, and you, just need, you just need prayer. You, you come from, a, you're, you're divorced and you're, they're still hurt there. We want to pray for you on that or or you're just dying for that spouse I believe pray with you for that as well but really if you need prayer this morning if you don't know Jesus if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior knowing that he did lay down his life for you life has just been beating you up I'm telling you right now he can change it in an instant when his love comes in and he sets you free and he becomes your covering it changes everything I'm going to stop talking now we're going to have our elders. Y'all come up. It's, you can do it now. Um, and you need prayer. This is your moment to start that road back. So let's stand up. We're gonna, uh, Ben's going to lead us in worship again. Allow the Lord to move. Thank you, Jesus.